Uh, hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This is where we started our series on the power of decisions. I want to talk to you today about commitment. I want to talk to you about commitment today. James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. And then I'm going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to use the story of David and Goliath today to help us talk about commitment. James chapter one, verse six says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. They have not committed. Remember the last time I talked to you, I talked from this subject, who are you going to choose? Choose this day who you will serve. You're either going to move forward in the Lord or you're going to move away from God. There's no, there's no, there's no real neutral in the kingdom. And if, if there is, Revelation says that's the worst place you could possibly be is in the lukewarm place of life. I'd rather you be hot or rather you be cold, but please don't be lukewarm. So don't live in neutral. But I really don't even believe there's really a neutral. I, either, I believe you're either moving towards God or you're moving away from him. And so I think neutral is to be moving away because God is moving like a spirit. The Bible says he's a spirit and he is moving and he is advancing and he is, he is going about like the wind and he's blowing and he's moving things and he's moving people. And so if we're not moving, man, we're not a part of what the spirit is doing. So I don't want to be double-minded I want to be stable. Can somebody say amen? I want to be stable. So I want to make a commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to choose. See, double-minded people uh, have not made the decision. They have this option and this option. And they're still living in, the Bible calls it the land of decision, the place of decision. And they haven't made a decision. It's because they haven't made a decision. They have no real focus in life and no real commitment in life. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find this incredible story of David. 1 Samuel 17. And I'm going to pray and we'll jump into 1 Samuel 17. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next few moments you would speak clearly to us. Thank you for those who have gathered in the room and online today. We're praying a special move of God in our, in our atmosphere today, in our room today, in this place, and in, peop in people's living rooms, and in their cars as they drive, and wherever they are on the face of this planet, God, we're praying that you would do something special in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 26. 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start in verse 26. This is the story of David as he goes, as his father's given him the direction to go and bring supplies to the army of God. And they're camped out and they're having this kind of back and forth conversation with Goliath. And Goliath is taunting them and they're sitting there afraid, not really knowing what to do. And, and David shows up on the scene. And the Bible says that David is really interested in what's happening, even though he's not there for Goliath. How many of you know that your obedience sometimes to just do the most menial task will put you in a position to do something that you never imagined you would do? That's why it's so important to just do what's in front of you, to just do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. 
See, sometimes I don't know what to do, but I do know a couple things. I know I need to wake up in the morning. I need to put some clothes on. I need to brush my teeth like my dad told me. In a song when I was growing up, my dad used to sing this song. In the mornings, he would say, get up, get out of bed, uh-huh, drag a comb across your head, because we would forget to comb our hair and brush your teeth and take a shower. It is, it is. So I knew, I knew from that song, I knew from my upbringing, even when I didn't know what to do, I knew to get up. And some of you this morning, you just need to obey the simple commands, and obeying the simple commands will bring you into a revelation you never dreamed of in your life. And so the Bible says David obeys his dad. He takes these supplies down to his brothers and he hears about uh, Goliath and he hears Goliath even taunting the people. And in verse 26, the Bible says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. Why? Because your commitment will expose the apathy of other people. So watch this. He says to David, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Seems to me, Eliab, you're the one doing nothing, sitting and watching. Isn't it an amazing thing that when people begin to criticize you, sometimes they criticize you not because of what they see in you, because of what they see, you reflect back to them about themselves. Okay, all right. That's why when you see a lot of people fall, they fall in the very thing that they were shouting loudly about in other people's lives. All right, okay. I'm preaching really good, and it's just 10, 12. I've just been up here a couple minutes. Feel good. All right. So he says, he says, you only come to watch the battle. David says, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? The King James Version says, is there not a cause? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. I love this because when, when the people who were supposed to hear you and understand you don't get you, isn't it an awesome thing that God will give you somebody else to talk to? I love it that Eliab wasn't David's only option. The Bible says David turned to someone else and he brought up the matter again. He brings it up again and the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. Wow, that's an amazing thought there is that someone is talking about the things you're saying and they're reporting those things to people with influence. You gotta be very careful how you talk because you can be in private conversations opening or closing doors in public areas. All right. I did, I, there's just so much in this today. So, so this, is, this is what happened. Um, David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David's made up his mind, hasn't he? Verse 33, Saul replies, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, I like to think that David thought, thought this thought in his own head before he even said this. I'd like to think that David thought, you know, I didn't waste my youth, but I actually trained in my youth. You ever heard that saying, youth is wasted on the young? <laughs> David wasn't wasting his youth. As a servant, he had been keeping his father's sheep, he said. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, he said, I went after it. Struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. This is one thing you can be sure of is anything that defies God, you already have the victory over it. Come on, somebody in the room, you need to give God some praise right now that whatever defies what God has spoken into your life, you already have the victory over it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. He approached the Philistine. The courage to commit is the beginning of change in your life. The courage to commit is the beginning of change. Why is this true? Because commitment closes the gap between your intentions, and your outcomes. It closes the gap between what, you, what you'd like to do and what you actually do. And if we refuse to make a decision and refuse to commit, we talked about this two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, we will become complacent because indecision is a decision. Remember, I told you complacency is quitting without leaving. The army hadn't gone anywhere. They'd been hanging around for a few days, listening to what the enemy was saying. They hadn't left. They just had grown complacent. They had quit without leaving. And the place of complacency is always crowded with good intentions and shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's full of complaining and blaming. And it's not that you don't care. They still cared. It's just that you slip into a more comfortable place of complacent thinking, thinking this is good enough. At least Goliath isn't attacking. At least all he's doing is talking. And some of you have settled for a life. Well, maybe the, maybe the enemy isn't in your bedroom, but he's in your mind. At least he's not in my house. At least he's not messing around with my life. No, listen to me. If he's taunting you, he's messing with you. If he's taunting you, he's got you stuck. And you need to stand up to a devil that the Bible says is as a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He likes to pretend he's somebody. So his greatest weapon is his voice. You have to shut his voice down in your life. You have to shut the mouth of the devil. It's his most powerful weapon. You're like, well, he's not pushing me. Well, he probably will never push you. He's just going to talk you into pushing yourself. So don't get complacent. Complacency is quitting without leaving. The minute I make a decision, the minute I make a decision, it releases 
something in my life that's so powerful. I want to give you three things that making a commitment will do in your life. First of all, when you make a commitment, a commitment always leads to greater creativity in your life. Think about this. You cannot figure out how to do what you don't want to do. The moment you decide you want to do it, your mind begins to think of ways to do the thing that you've decided to do. You figure out how to fulfill commitments. And a lack of commitment makes you waste your time. It doesn't create more time. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm in a year where I'm just learning how to say no to a lot of things, you know, and I get that. I understand that. I understand the power of no, but there's also great momentum in a yes, And so many people have become comfortable with no, they forgot how to use the power of yes. Yes, because when I when I declare that I'm going to do a thing, my mind begins to operate. My mind begins to think of ways that I can make that happen. And as soon as David committed to, to taking on Goliath, can you see his mind working? How am I going to do this? How is this going to work? I've, I've, I've gone and opened my mouth and now I got to fill it with some sort of some sort of idea. I've got I've got to have some sort of plan about this. And you can see him kind of struggling early on because he allows Saul to put his armor on him. But Because of the commitment that he made, he got clear about how he was supposed to go about the decision. And when you don't make commitments, you'll allow people to put stuff on you that was never supposed to be put on you. Listen to me. David doesn't get trapped in verse 39. He said, I can't wear this because I haven't tested it. David doesn't get trapped in an armor he's not sure of because he wasn't reluctant. He wasn't unsure. He was committed. And you will find yourself putting on things, taking on things that were not for you if you are not committed. How did I get into this situation? It's because you weren't committed to stay out of it. How how did I find myself in this way of thinking? Because you weren't committed to the opposite way of thinking. You, you were, you were what James talked about. You were, you were double-minded, unstable in all of your ways. And you're wondering why, why is my life falling apart? It's because you didn't make a decision that it wasn't going to fall apart. Because when you make a decision, your, your, your mind begins to open up. Creativity starts to become normal to you. Wisdom starts to become a part of your daily life and routine. So there's greater creativity. There's also greater energy. Before you're committed, you're reluctant, you're lethargic. Some people are just downright lazy. Commitments give direction to your energy. It tells your energy where to go. (laughs) Sometimes the lack of energy that you feel. If you found yourself like, did you find yourself in a season where you were home more Working less, with people less, in public less, but more tired than you had ever been in your life. More free time than you've ever had, but more tired than you've ever been in your life. I asked myself this question. We actually preached a series on it last year. Why am I so tired? I'm so tired because the lack of commitments are actually, are actually Wasting my energy. 
Oh my goodness. The indecision is a waste of energy. The energy doesn't come for the work until you start the work. Have you ever, have you ever made a decision? Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to start working out. Isn't it about 95% of the time you don't have the energy to go to the gym? But when you get to the gym, if you can just get here, there's a sign at my gym and on, on one, of the, one of the little cubbies that says, you made it. You made it. That's the biggest part of the battle. It's not what you do in the gym. It's making it to the gym. And I want to tell some of you this morning, you're like, man, I'm so, I, I feel like a loser. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like my life isn't moving really well right now. I feel like I'm lost. Hey, you're in church. You made it. <laughs> you made it. As a church, this means that we have to, as a church, we have to be more committed to our future than our past. More concerned about reaching people than keeping people. Because if we're not careful, we'll become inward focused and all we'll try to do is please everybody instead of reach the people that God has called us to reach in this community. Can someone say amen? So it's impossible to create the future. And one of the things we waste our energy on is our past. We waste our energy on our past. Listen, you already made those decisions. You can't do anything about those decisions. My dad always said to me, son, you cannot unscramble eggs, but you can bring those eggs to Jesus, <laughs> right? I can't undo the past, but I can bring my past to Jesus, but I cannot, I cannot create the future if I'm focused on my past. The apostle said, I forget the things that are behind me, and I look forward, I press forward to what is in front of me. Some people in the room, you're so focused on pulling weeds that you haven't even planted any seeds. 2020 was all about staying in defense mode and you were defending your territory, defending your position, defending your vote, defending yourself, pulling weeds, pulling weeds, putting out fires, putting out fires. You didn't plant any seed. And you're in 2021 goes, where's my harvest? Because like you pulled a bunch of weeds in 2020, but you refuse to plant any seed. Wow. And we cannot demand a harvest from a place we haven't sowed into. That's the problem with a lot of people in church today is they think they can just come to church and sit in a pew and demand, demand that their life be changed without investing in the place. Can I tell you, you're gonna get really frustrated here if you don't, if you don't sow here. Because you cannot put on a demand of a harvest if you haven't sown any seed. All right. You keep bouncing from church to church thinking the people and the pastor and the kids' ministry is the problem. When you're just not investing. Okay, all right. See, it's, it's, this is why we live in a world where people lead with what they're against instead of what they are for. Right? I'd rather, I'd rather up front let you know what I'm against. And we live in a culture right now where everybody wants to let you know what they're against. 
said, let me talk to you about what I'm for. Because I, I could get up here from week to week and talk about all of the, the stuff that, that, that's, that's bad in the world and tell you all of the things. And I could, be, I could get up here and say, well, this world, they, 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 they hate God. And they, they don't love the things of God. And there's no respect for marriage. And yeah, all of that may be true. But let me be about the business of building strong marriages. And automatically, the devil will know what I'm against. I'm for strong marriages, so I don't want to waste my time talking about all the bad stuff that's going on when I need my time to build good, strong marriages. Does that make sense to anybody in the room? So when I commit to my future, I I commit to a life full of the energy necessary to do what I've committed to do. Third thing is it establishes priorities. It establishes priorities. Apart from commitment, the shiny object wins. Squirrel. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I find myself very often distracted. Distracted from the things that God is calling my attention to because I haven't sometimes I haven't committed to the things that God is calling my attention to but if I'll commit to the things that God is calling my attention to it'll help me eliminate distractions for instance if quitting is an option you will never run out of ways to quit For me, oh man, this is just something that's happened to me over the past, I gotta be honest with you, over the past couple of months. I've always been committed. Uh, No, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I I feel like there's there's always been in me a commitment to be a pastor. But there's also this part of me that's like, man, I just need one really good option, and I'm out. (laughs) Listen to me. I'm not talking about taking another church. Oh, I don't want to pastor another church. I'm talking about an exit door from the ministry. Come on, somebody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Especially how y'all been acting this past year and a half. So I said, I said, I said, what is it about me that keeps coming up with creative ways to do other things? I'm like, man, Robbie, you know, you're really gifted at this. You know. You could do this and nobody would ever talk about what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, how good or bad your kids are. Man, you could you you could do. I had to come to a point and this has just been recently where I took quitting off of my off the options table. I just it's it's off the it's off the table. And, and I'm finding more energy to do 
what I'm called to do because I took off, I, I, I should have known this because we, I did this in my marriage. I wasn't joking when I said to Monica 24 years ago, for better, for worse. I wasn't joking. You and you only. Wasn't kidding. I made that commitment and I took that seriously. That's the most serious thing I've ever done in my life. I took it serious. And because of that, for the past 24 years, every other woman is not an option because I have a no out clause in my relationship. So I don't waste my time in fantasy, in porn, in other things, not because I'm better than you, I just took it off the table. It's just not on the table for me. I made a decision to go all in on my marriage and when you make the decision to go all in, it eliminates a whole lot from your life. <laughs> we don't throw the word divorce around in our house. We don't get mad and be like, okay, I guess we'll just get divorced then. We just don't throw that word around. Why? Because when you are not committed, it only makes sense to stay when it's convenient. And when divorce is the option, you'll always think of reasons why you should take that option. So you have to, if you establish your priorities, you have to establish your priorities. If I establish my priorities, then I won't waste my life thinking of ways to get out. I won't fill my thoughts with ways to walk away. Man. There'll be less drifting, less distraction in my life. Let me give you some tips for making commitments. First of all, stop searching for perfect decisions. Oh man, some of you are, some, some of you in the room today, you've been engaged for 14 years. <laughs> Can I tell you why you're still engaged? Because as long as you're engaged, you still feel like there's an easy out. This is why people don't even get engaged anymore, they just move in together. Because in the back of their mind, they've got an out. Don't let him lie to you, baby. I don't need, we don't need a ring to make a commitment. It's 2021. That's that, that, that marriage stuff, that's for old people. That's for people back in the day. No, that's from the Bible. It's not for old people. Because God knows when you stand in front of somebody and you make that commitment, it's a different level than just living together with the option. Honey, if he hasn't married you in 14 years, you are wasting your time. You need to give him a demand. This week or I'm out. We're going to the courthouse Monday morning. We get, yeah. So I have to stop searching for perfect decisions. I mean, anybody with a healthy marriage will tell you in here, the person they married was not perfect. People with unhealthy marriages are like, well, they just married the right one. No, we've all thought our spouse was the wrong one. <laughs> Many times. 
many times. <laughs> Stop exploring. Somebody said amen like later. Like just like 30 seconds later, like just so you know. <clears throat> You have to stop with the pros and cons. I know that's, for some people, that's how you make decisions. You, you write pros and cons and you list them all. And if the cons outweigh the pros, you don't make the decision. You, you gotta be clear about this in your life. Not every good decision is gonna come with more pros than cons. Because, for instance, if you're committed to telling the truth, the truth might get you in more trouble than the lie in the beginning. So stop also with decisions. Don't make every decision you make about the next 75 years of your life. There are very few decisions in your life that affect your whole life. I've met so many young people who are like, man, what if I go to the wrong college? What if, what if, what if I, what if, what if I take this job and it's not, and, and we, we project so far into the future, not understanding that we serve a God who's already seen the decision we would make and has prepared a life for us anyway, in spite of the bad decisions we make. Come on, man. You serve a God who knows exactly what you're going to do. So God's, God's not up in heaven like, oh, no, they, oh, no, they went to ETSU instead of Harvard. Oh, no, what, what am I going to do? That one might be a little harder to overcome, but you still serve a God who doesn't need a Harvard degree to open doors for you, to make a way for you. Just don't project so far into the future. A lot of those decisions you can change. It's difficult, but you can change. Most of the things that you have to decide on a daily basis are not about your future being secure if you don't do this. Make short-term commitments. Think, think in terms of three weeks, months, not a lifetime when it comes to your decision making. Now, there are obviously gonna be decisions that are a lifetime, like that, that one right there, that, that ring. That's a commitment that you make for a lifetime. And it doesn't always work out the way we thought it would work out, but God's also not up in heaven saying, oh no, they got divorced, what am I gonna do? Oh no, their marriage failed. I don't know if I can, that's not the God you serve. It's not the God you serve, okay? Somebody said this, they said, wisdom comes with age because the less time you have, the more focused you become. So I guess then the key to wisdom would be focus. Remember Saul said to David, he said, hey, he's been warring his whole life. You're just a kid. But Saul didn't understand, oh, I've been focused in my job. I was focused. A lot of young people just bounce around from job to job to job to job and wonder why something doesn't open up for them. It's because you refused to learn the lesson that God was trying to teach you in that job. 
And you, you thought because you didn't like it that God must not want it for you. Oh my God. There's a whole lot of stuff, including marriage, that you're not gonna like some of it. But it's still God's plan for your life. Oh man, I don't like raising teenagers. It's hard. But it's God's plan for my life. I don't just bounce. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, guys, I love you, but I'd rather raise toddlers. I'm gonna bounce into this relationship over here. I do better with toddlers. <laughs> that's not how, that's not how that, that works. The key to wisdom is focus. Wherever you are, focus. I'm, listen to me, focus. If you're working right now in a job you dislike, Focus. Doesn't mean you're going to be there forever, but while you are there, you better focus. You better, you better, you better hone in, get the skills that are necessary in that moment. Because there's going to be a time where you stand before a giant and God was trying to prep you with the bear and the lion. You're like, I can't fight this giant. Yeah, it's because you skipped the bear. You skip the lion. Wisdom comes with age. Because the less time you have, the more focused you become. Jesus is such an interesting story of focus. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, it's really interesting. He's got time for all kinds of distractions. He's got time for people to interrupt but at the end of the, his ministry, the Bible says that he set his face to go to Jerusalem, Luke 9 and 51. And this is important because until your face is set, your circumstances will determine your agenda. Your circumstances will dictate your life. So you have to set your face. So when I make a decision, man, it allows me to become more creative because I cannot figure out how to do what I don't want to do. It creates energy in my life because now my energy has a place to go. It has a focus instead of just sitting and wasting in indecision. And it clarifies things for me. It gives me an established set of priorities. I want to I want to give you these four commitments that you can make today. They require no talent to make. You don't have to be gifted to make these decisions. Let me give you these four. I'll leave you with this and we'll pray. First of all, commit to tell the truth. Commit to tell the truth. Commit. I'm not going to lie, deceive, or exaggerate because it's convenient. Commit to tell the truth. Second of all, commit to keeping your promises. When I make, let your yes be yes, your no me no. When I make a verbal commitment, I will honor it. Third, commit to be loyal to your friends and your family. 
David committed to this friend he had named Jonathan, and it changed his life. When Jonathan was killed, David actually looked for someone in Jonathan's family that he could take care of, a young man named Mephibosheth. So I'm gonna commit to be loyal to my spouse, to my friendships, to my parents, to my family. The fourth commitment is commit to serve. Commit to serve. Thank God Jesus made that commitment. When he came, the Bible says he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Social media is really destroying the power of serving because it's created a need for recognition that makes people live for likes instead of purpose. For attention. Everybody's looking for attention. Don't, Twitter is not real life. Instagram is not real life. Sometimes you'll go to social media and you'll think that just because somebody said it, that that's what, the way everybody in the world is thinking. Can I tell you that most people go to social media to exaggerate? Why? Because they want attention. They're living for likes. They're living for subscriptions. They're living... They're living for that. That's their livelihood. Listen to me. It's their livelihood to be liked, to be heard, to cause drama, to make things bigger than they actually are, to try to get you to make your whole world revolve around what they're saying. And we fall for it. So we have to make a decision. You know what? I'm committed. I'm committed. And in the room today, I feel like we're not only in sometimes that require it, but we are headed for sometimes that require us to be committed to tell the truth to be committed to keeping our word, to be committed to our friends. Because some of you, including me, some of our friends, have said some very ridiculous things. We've said some very ridiculous things. But I tell you, you don't wanna come through all of this and have lost all your friends and held on to your opinions. I would, I would encourage you, commit to be loyal to your friends. Even when you can't see eye to eye, even when you don't agree on everything, I would commit to people more than I would commit to my opinions. Amen. I'm asking you to stand on your feet with me this morning if you would. I don't know what God is calling you to be committed to. For me, God's been calling me to be more committed to this calling. I've looked, um, not like in a serious way, I haven't put any applications in anywhere. 
<laughs> but I've looked at the options. And I thought maybe other things would be better. Maybe other things would be easier. But those other things would not have the wind of God behind them. And I want to encourage you, commit to the things that have the wind of God behind them. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you today that you're calling us to a, a deeper level, first of all, of a commitment in our relationship with you. We have to commit to pray so that we, if we're in this room, we say, well, I don't know how to pray. You have to commit to pray and you'll learn how to pray because you'll figure out to do the thing that you've committed to do. I, I don't know how to read. You have to commit to reading your Bible and you'll figure out how to read your Bible. Here's the thing about, about humans is we find a way to do what we want to do. We always do. So God, help us to want the right things. Help us to make the decision towards the right things because my creativity, my energy, and my focus will always move in the direction of my commitments. So we pray, we ask you, God, that we would be committed to the right things today in Jesus' name and that, God, we wouldn't walk away from people so quick wouldn't give up on people so quick. Not every relationship is gonna work out. Not every marriage is gonna last for forever. We understand that. But even in those times, help us to not walk away from people so quick. And even if we can't be direct in direct relationship with them, which is understandable. Some things go sideways and we understand that. Help us to never quit on people in our prayers. Help us, because it's, it's so hard to hate people we pray for. It's so hard to hate people we're interceding for. Help us to keep that, that person in high honor as far as your child, person you love, a person you're committed to, a person that you haven't given up on, a person who still needs you, a person who still has a purpose, a person who still has a calling. No matter how broken our relationship is with them, help us to hold them in high honor as far as how you see them, how you value them. It'll help us, it'll help us to stay committed to them, even if that commitment is just in our prayers. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody in the room said amen if you can. Amen. I love you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for your commitment to this house, what God is doing here. You've been so faithful. I'll see you soon. God bless you. Our prayer team will be up front if you need prayer for anything.